take your Bible and uh, you follow with me, if you would, in a passage of Scripture. I just want to encourage you. I want to just share some things with you from uh, the Holy Word of God. And, and uh, we, had, we used to have an Indian man there in Tacoma, Washington, and, and he got saved. He was a, when we met him, he was a Methodist, and, and he said he'd been going to that Methodist church for like 30, 40 years, I guess, and never heard the gospel, and he came to church, he heard the gospel for the first time and got saved. And one of the things he taught me about God's word, I mean, I've been reading the Bible for a long time too, but he always says, you know what, Pastor? That good book says this. You know what I read this morning? That good book taught me this. And I got the idea that he believed in that good book. And that phrase stuck with me. And every time I open the Bible, I think about that good book. You know, while the world is shunning the Word of God, and while the world is trying to get rid, our society is trying to discredit this book, it's still the good book, no matter what anybody says. And especially the passage I'm going to take you to tonight, there in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3, there's a lot of verses here, but I think in your observation of the book, there, there's some things that stands out and it'll encourage you. I just want you to know tonight that uh, when you look at the Bible here, you'll find out some things about Ephesus and that he was a capital of the Roman province of Asia. Paul is the, the writer. He's the, he's the one who's explaining the book to us and he's trying to get us to understand that he's writing this book and it wasn't in, in, under good circumstances in his life. He's in prison writing the book. But he's writing the book and you, when you read the book of Ephesians, you think that there was nothing wrong with him. There's no adversity in his life. There's no opposition against him. You think that he was a man that had nothing wrong. Everything was right. And by the way, it was. Because when you read this, you can read it and say, how can a man be like that? Well, he was. And if you take your Bible and read with me, First of all, chapter 3, and I'll go back to chapter 1 in a moment. But chapter 3, and uh, let's look in verse uh, 14. I want to go all the way up to 14 and go on down. And he says, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ 
which passes knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. And unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now let's go back to chapter 1 and verse 16. Chapter 1 and verse 16. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and, that, and what, the, uh, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in, heaven, in the heavenly places, far above all principalities. I mean, look at that. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Our Lord, thank you for the word. We thank you for that good book that gives us a good measure of the spiritual life that we need. I thank you, Lord, that there's some things that Paul shared with us here to encourage us and to help us. And I pray, Lord, tonight that there's, there's uh, some, some people here. There's somebody in this congregation tonight that he needs to hear what Paul is explaining to us. And the, the end result of what, what God does for those who hear him and who respond to him. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to understand something about Paul and just listening to what he says. He's coming across as somebody who's telling us that there is a, a betterment that God has for his people. He, 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 he raised the bar. But if you reach that, that there's a life that, that you'll get in your own heart and soul. There are two real prayers that he mentions here. One of the things is that he says, I have mentioned you. That was in chapter one. I have mentioned you in prayers. That's a good thought. Because how often do we mention people? You know, sometimes we spend time saying, saying, well, they should know better. Well, they need to change. Well, they maybe if they'll just start acting right. Well, have you mentioned them in prayer? I mean, let's, let's just think of the way he's writing it. He knew that there was a lot of things going on around him in the Christian community that wasn't right. But he says, I make mention of you. That's a good way to encourage somebody. You admonish them. The admonition to, to give them a, a, a way to understand that, 
They're not in this by themselves. Somebody is praying for me. That's a good thought. Whether it's to friends or family, moms and dads, children, church members, lost people around you. Doesn't matter. It's just a mention that you're praying for them that does something to them. And then he also mentions here that he that that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. There are two things there that most of the time we kind of forget about him, but when you give wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that's good. That's that's what we all strive for. That's what we all work for. When we go to the Bible and read it, that's what we're, we're, we're asking God for. When we go to Sunday school on Sundays, that's what we're hoping for. I mean, that teacher will impart something to us. I was telling somebody just the other day that uh, I, had a, I had a mission class teacher. Uh, he was teaching missions in, in Bible, Bible college and I had to his class at 7 o'clock in the morning. Do you get up at 7? Oh, yeah. You would have flunked that class. <laughs> no, no, let me take it back. You probably would have went because he was such an exciting, he was filled in his heart with souls to be saved and he is filling his heart for missions to be carried out, feel in his heart for the lost world. I mean, he imparted that to me. I mean, he, he'd teach so well, his, his jacket would be flying. and He'd be going, I mean, this is a small classroom. And he was saying, I'm going to tell you something, and going like that. And I'm just writing everything down, trying to keep up with him. But his heart, just for the, for the lost people, I, every, every time I... I just couldn't wait to be in this class at 7 o'clock in the morning. I enjoyed it because I wanted something like that. That, that. that wisdom, that revelation, that knowledge of him. Why God loved people. Why God extended his salvation to the lost world. My minor was missions, and that's why my heart throbbed for that class. And I enjoyed it so much, but that's why you come to church. You're hoping your teacher would do that. You're hoping that your Sunday school teacher would lead. You're hoping your preacher would do that. You're hoping when missionaries come by, they'll do that. But you're hoping you want, a, you want that wisdom and, and revelation and knowledge of him. Every time we go to church, that's how we feel. Most of us anyway. But the thing about it is, he's trying to get us to understand about this, that we're to, we're to pray in such a way. Pray in such a way that they, people will desire spiritual development. I had a young man just to... A few days. Is that clock right? 6.42? Yeah, 4.42. <laughs> Y'all will be here a while. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, I'm going to try to preach 20, 25 minutes. So uh, I'm throwing that out to you. Did I pass it yet? No? 
not yet. <laughs> My wife. <laughs> but anyway, um, had a young man, 17 years old, senior in high school, come by the house, and I've taken him to school before, and he said, Pastor, I, lo- I miss my bus. Can you take me to school? Well, his school is off the reservation, about 15 miles up the road. So I said, okay, get in, let's, let's go, and I took him. This was the day before we moved. And I said, Dean, I talked to you about Jesus before, and you didn't say nothing about accepting Christ. You matter of fact, you kind of said you weren't ready. Dean, you may never see me again. And I may never see you again, Dean. But can I tell you about Jesus one more time? And I told him. He listened. Got in front of his school. He gave me 15, 20 minutes to just talk to him. And when we drove in front of his school, he turned around and he said, can I accept Jesus now? That's, that's what blesses my heart. And the more and more I begin to understand what the gospel of Christ is really about. If you notice something, he mentions the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over, you know, Paul's heart was there. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, he says, that he says, pray for us, brethren. Pray, pray for us that the word of God might have free course. There's something about this gospel. It gets deeper. And that's why he talked about this there in chapter 3. He says in uh, verse 18, that may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ. We don't understand what the gospel really truly is about as Paul did. That was his drive. How much of a revelation do you have about what the gospel of our Lord is about? I know that, that if you look at your whole life entirely, you begin to understand we don't know half as much as we need to know. Or else we'd be sold out. There would be a revival in this church. The, the community would understand that there is a revival at Eastside Baptist Church, something is wrong with those people. That's how they would look at it. Not something is right, something is wrong. People don't act that way. People don't go that way. But that's the way Paul was. <laughs> My wife and I have been on the Warren Spring Reservation for six years. We left Portland, Oregon. Yeah, that place that is to be kept weird. (laughs) I mean, that's their their slogan in in the city of Portland. Keep Portland weird. You see those signs everywhere. They got bumper stickers on their cars. And they're proud of it. And then the little town north of there is Vancouver, Washington. 
across the water, and they have stickers that says, keep Vancouver normal. <laughs> but the thing about it is, folks, my wife and I have been in, Port in Warren Springs six years after having started a church in Portland. And then when we went to Warren Springs, this is really the first time we lived on a reservation. We've always done urban ministry, cities. Indians are more stable in urban areas. They will get jobs. They'll provide for their family. They'll put them in education. And they'll do all the things that normal people do. Because they're around normal people, what you call normal, I guess. <laughs> That's why you call it east side, west side, north side, south side. We divide them up. <laughs> Don't know which one's normal. <laughs> but the thing about it is, is uh, the, the, the Warren Springs Reservation was a tough, tough area. And my wife made a, a comment this morning. She said the Warren Springs Reservation was a, a place where they did, could not capture the love of God. Uh, something like that. I misquoted you, didn't I? <laughs> and I said, well, Paul must have been in a big worldwide rev uh, uh, reservation. He was in a world where they could not capture the love of Christ. And so it is in our day, folks. Not much has changed. There's still a whole lot of unreached people. A whole lot of middle-aged people. And teenagers and older people. There are people everywhere. That thing's got to stay in our minds that, that they do not grasp it. They don't grasp that knowledge of him. When I first went to re uh, the reservation there, I walked by this bus stop, and there's a native guy sitting there, and I uh, had a cold cup of water I just got. Somebody just handed it to me before. Oh, I know what it was. I was in, a, in the, seeing the, the therapy, uh, and he just gave me a big old cup of cold water, and I was walking by, and I seen him. I said, would you like a cup of water? It was like 100 degrees out there, you know. So he looked at me, and he said, I wouldn't drink that water. I don't even like you. You're the preacher, aren't you? I don't like you. And I said, well... <laughs> Get, trying to make sure uh, it was free to run. You know. Didn't want to get, get hit or anything. But he's trying to get up, and I think God just kind of pushed him like this, you know, because he couldn't stand up. He said, I don't know why I can't get up, but if I can get up, I'd beat you. And uh, he said, you're not even one of us. See, sometimes we got this idea that if you're an Indian, it's easier to go to Indians. I've heard that a lot of times. 
I've heard a lot of white missionaries say, Brother McKinney, you have it easier than us because you're an Indian. No, no, no. It's not the color. It's the gospel. That's what they refuse. That's what they rebel against. They took, they hear the gospel of our Lord and the gospel says, you need to change. <laughs> and they don't want that. And well, he told me, he said, you're not one of us. Go back where you came from. The, these mountains are ours. That, those rivers are ours. Those, and they named everything and I just stood there and I just kind of, okay, it's time to, time to say something. So I said, you know what? The Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to this tribe. And he teaches us that we're to be good stewards of what he's given us. You're supposed to keep this reservation nice and clean and tidy and look at it. You're poor stewards. Boy, I mean, he really wanted to get me then. You ever open your mouth and then you wish you didn't open your mouth? Yeah, okay. I do that all the time. But anyway, when I said that, he got mad and boy, I mean, he was trying to... And by that time, the bus pulled up. And the guy that got out, his name, his name was Wesley. He was in our church. He was a heavyweight boxer. And he just had like one tooth, a couple tooth, I guess. Snaggle tooth. And he got out of that bus and he said, Pastor, what are you doing over here? And he put his arm around him. He said, let's go for a walk. Well, I tell you what, Lord knows how to deliver you. Uh, because when he seen that boxer come and grab me, he just kind of like, okay. See, I, and that wasn't only one. There have been a whole bunch of times when somebody wanted to pounce on me. You know what it was? It wasn't my looks. I know that scares you sometimes. <laughs> it, it wasn't anything like that. It was because of the gospel. It's the message of God. And yet Paul was trying to get, a, get us to understand some things about all of this, that there, there's an a, a, a amazing reach when you're thinking about the gospel of the Lord. It has a, a, a message that in its entirety, in its uh, understanding, in its eternality, if you look at it all together, you find out there is something about that invisible working of God. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. It operates, the gospel operates in its properness by faith. And the just shall live by faith. It is our position as God's people in our most proper way to live is to live a life that's fulfilling, a life that's giving glory to God. It's our, it's our job, every one of us, from the little ones that get saved to the older ones. 
But we have that same idea here. He's talking about that, 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 that the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that for some way going beyond that, that commonness, commonness that we are and showing us the supernatural things that God does. Things that make us scratch our head. Things that make us not understand why and where and when. And, but only that God can do that. And that's what God, that's how he operates. That's what he was doing in Paul's life. And there, there, there are some things, some rich, riches in Christ Jesus. I mean, he's trying to show us to, 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 to understand all of that. That's why when you look in Ephesians, it's a letter to encourage us. It's to, a letter to admonish. It's a letter that's immeasurable, speaking about all the immeasurable blessings of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. We need to get back to understanding what that really means when it comes along with Jesus Christ. Well, I tell you, we, we in reservations, it's kind of hard to get that message across. But at the same time, they finally get it if you'll preach, keep preaching the gospel. Because God's word is incomparable. You cannot compare any cult. You can't compare, compare any tradition. You can't compare any way of life to this gospel. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's why you preach it in its, its uh, genuine pureness. I'm talking about the gospel, the death, the burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's nothing other than that. And you cannot exhaust that message of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no exhaustion of it. I know sometimes when preachers say, I'm going to preach on the gospel, you say, well, I heard that before. Well, you hadn't heard enough of it. Right. I tell you, because if you heard enough of it, you'd really, really be sold out on it. Because it does something to us. It just uh, does exactly what he's telling us here. And if you notice something, he says, wherefore I also had heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love Unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory of inheritance to the saints. There's some things that you notice here. In chapter three, I'm gonna I'm gonna close this out. I I, I gotta uh, I'm used to preaching an hour, so I'm trying to trying to trying to get through here. So, but if you'll go back to chapter three and verse verse, uh, and let's go down to verse sixteen. Here's one of the promises that one of the uh, verses that stand out. He says that you would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit. In the inner man. Strengthen with might. That's why a missionary you pray for. 
You pray for God to strengthen him in might. That's why you pray for other Christians in the church, that they be strengthened in might. We all have that issue of getting weak, faint. We all have that way of getting, getting, getting where we lack the strength that we need. It's more than determination. It's the strength of the inner man. It's the strength that carries on, the strength that never quits, never stops. Pray for strength for each other. Verse 17, verse 17. And he says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you're being rooted and grounded in love. I tell you, our churches are losing people these days. And we need to pray that God might root them and ground them. Root them and ground them. They stay. I mean, you can tell you're rooted and grounded. On a Sunday night, you're back. You, have, you probably could find 100 reasons to stay away, but you didn't. You got here. That means root is taking hold groundedness that tells you that you're growing you're developing what God wants you to develop in your life I think that's interesting that he says it again that you be rooted and grounded and then may be able to comprehend with all saints let's jump down to verse uh, 19 and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God that you that unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You know, God is able to deliver. God is able to save. I don't care how people are living in their sin and living in their self. God still can save. God is able to do that. He's able to, in Jude 24, he says, able to keep us. God is able to satisfy. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, able to make all grace abound toward you. God is the one that's holding you, folks. God is the one that's doing it for you. Don't ever get to the place where you think you're doing it because God is doing it. You know how many times after 40-something years we've been missionaries, Larry McKinney, everybody says, thank God for him. Thank God for his faithfulness. Thank God. No, 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 no. I quit a thousand times. But God never quit. And you have to credit him. God doesn't quit. And you might be here tonight thinking, you're going to back off some. You're going to quit. No, God won't let you. He'll show you. He'll show you he's able. He's got the ability when you don't. 
And whatever might be your issue tonight, God doesn't want you to quit. 